Hey, Jack, how do I sound? You sound very sexy and manly. <laughs> oh, I mean, you sound normal. I didn't know. You didn't tell me your wife was there. Sorry. She barged in. You know how us wives do. She barged in. <laughs> you sure you don't want to watch? <laughs> do I have to get dressed then? Do I have to put on pants? All right, okay. Yeah, it is that kind of but it's Jack's podcast. Of course it's that kind of show. Right. This we're called the Dead Panties for a reason. Congratulations on your on your parsec. We're still, we're, we're, you know what? We are still kind of kind of flabbergasted about that. We're like, really? I mean, <laughs> the way we found out too was even funnier. We basically got back. No, we, we basically got home. We were a little drunk because we were uh, we, we were being, you know, uh, parents behaving badly with the children, running amok because it was Labor Day, last day of summer, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Pip just happens to open up the um, the the Mac when we get home. Um, she opens up the Mac and she goes. Oh my God, we want a parsec. And I'm like, what? And <laughs> so there it was. If anyone wanted to know what the uh, the grand, um, uh, if I had known that that that, that would have happened, the uh, the acceptance speech would have been what? So you know, there you go. Well, next year. Next year. Next year. Yeah. <sighs> Wherever so, next year will take us. Right. I mean, maybe maybe Dragon Con, maybe not. You know. Uh, at, well, at present, at present, I don't know about Dragon Con. And I tell you why. Um, this is this is a this is an opportunity too good to pass up. All right. So next year, Worldcon is in London. The boom is uh, it has been getting into Doctor Who, and she really wants to go to London. Well, now Worldcon is in London, so it's like okay, well, you know what? I think we're gonna make it a, a trip to London. And then someone pinged us and said, well, do you know that Eurocon? Which is the European Science Fiction Convention. Okay. Um, that's the week after, and I said, "Well, where is it?" You know, well, it's in Ireland. And I'm 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 sitting with Pip, and we're looking at each other, and it's like, "Can we pull this off?" And what we're thinking about doing is a weekend in London, spend the rest of the week hopping between London, maybe even Scotland, and then end the trip in Ireland and fly out of Ireland after Eurocon. That makes a lot and, of sense. Yeah. And and it's like it's like uh, you know All right, thank you. And <laughs> I love her. And um <clears throat> and then, you know, and then we 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 basically uh make it a week and you know, we we we, we were we were crunching numbers and looking at looking at, uh, at at things and we were saying, "Well, you know, there's no way we could do Worldcon, Eurocon and then do DragonCon." And I said, Dragon Con is is a great event. It's a lot of fun. But if I've got a choice between going to Atlanta or going to London, uh, you know, arriving in London and leaving from uh, leaving from Dublin, yeah, Atlanta, it'll be there. It'll be there next the, the year after next. You know, so so that's right. that that's kind of where 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 we're we're at right now. Um, and uh, so, but, but you know. You know, we, we, hey, if we could do a lot, <laughs> it could be fun. If we if we could do a, a skyped in uh, a skyped in presentation from 
uh, Eurocon or Worldcon. That would be fun. But uh, who knows? Well, we're, you know, we'll, we're, we we know that 2014 is a great big question mark for a lot of reasons, and we'll just we'll just have to wait and see how things pan out. All right. Well, cool. But I mean, you know, there there are a lot of exciting things happening. You know, and that's 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 the plus side of it. You know, it's, it's yes. So, and just you know, here I'll hang on. I'll snap here. Um, you know, I I probably should have given you a heads up. I just generally on you know, the past couple of years, so I just kind of fire things up and then just chat with everything recorded and then I'll just chop out what, you know, if we want to say, okay, let's now let's officially start and none of that needs to be, <laughs> you know, that's, that's how I did it with Tony and that's kind of how I've been doing it with these, these final conversations. So, but you, I mean, but at the, at the same time though, Jack, we've been doing this since the, since the beginning. Well, right. And I mean, anyway, you, anyway, you throw it, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there with the open mitt going, all right, bro. Right here, right here, right here, right here, brother. Right. Because, um, I've been thinking about that lately. I've been thinking about the 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 weird, winding, twisted path that it's been podcasting, um, and it's it might blow your mind as to why I was thinking about it. Um, it, it I, I, I've got a, I've got a two part blog post that I'm I'm working on right now, and it's um, it's basically drawing a correlation between what is currently happening in cosplay, in the cosplay community. Mm-hmm. And my own experience with podcasting and the podcasting community, and um, I, I had a, I had one of those, I had one of those, you know, serious epiphanies where I was like, oh wow, I know why this this one blog post kind of bothered me so much. It's because I've I've been there. I I have been where this person's been at, and I've just been thinking about all the all the years of podcasting and all the. Um, all this, in fact, it, it was it, it was a it was a term that you coined, and I completely I didn't realize I, I, it, it was funny to listen to, but then I didn't realize that I was actually swimming knee deep in it, and it was the uh, the pod taint. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> yeah, there's there there's one to unearth. Remember that one, the pod taint. Yes. Um. So there's costume taint. I mean that that's going a, that's going in there, a weird direction. I know, I know. Well, I mean, and it's kind of expected, uh, considering some of the con, uh, some of the stuff people wear at, at conventions. <laughs> All right. But what I'm, I like cause taint. I do, I cause like taint. That. There I like you that go. Quite a bit. I like that a lot. Cause taint. <laughs> so, the, but the thing about cause taint is, it's really not different from pod taint. Um, long story short, somebody wrote this article about how um, <clears throat> she had been a longtime cosplayer and she loved the the, the atmosphere of cosplay and. And now suddenly everyone's paying attention to cosplay, but they're only paying attention to the cool kids. And she actually used the term cool kids in her article. Mm-hmm. She she referred to it as the pretty people who were, you know, uh, stealing spotlight from people who had been cosplaying for, for years. And, you know, she wasn't blaming the cosplayers, but she was blaming she, – she wasn't sure who to blame. And she was talking – but she kept referring to the cool kids and kept referring to mainstream media – and how cosplay is, has sort of degraded in the past year on account of its popularity because it's now become popular and mainstream culture is, is latching onto it. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the phrase she said that really threw me for a loop was when she said, that I have costumes that are non-501st. She's part of the 501st. Mm-hmm. And there are costumes that are, part of, that, I, that are non-501st that I will probably never wear again because of this. Because, you know, 
armor is a great equal, and, and I'm paraphrasing now, but she basically said mm-hmm. armor is a great equalizer, which is why she loves doing 501st stuff. But she said, but I'll probably never wear any of these non-501st costumes. And and I've heard other cosplayers talk about that. I've heard other cosplayers talk about how, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not crazy. Uh, you know, I'm not crazy about this direction that cosplay is headed. And then there was this big, uh, this big to do that happened on Heroes of Cosplay when, um, when cosplayers were having a very honest and open conversation about competitive cosplay, and they were talking about how people who compete, if they are, if they are not uh, physically fit, if they're not, if they're, if they're cosplaying against, if they're cosplaying against, against their physique. It's going to work against them, mm-hmm. and that they would open themselves up for a lot of criticism on the on the inter, on the interwebs. And quite honestly, yeah, that's a cold fact of life. Right. When I was reading this one article, and she said I may never wear these cost some of these non five hundred first costumes again, it really hit a chord with me because I started thinking about how in two thousand five, you know, I I came on the scene, not knowing a cl- not having a clue with what I was doing. And people were calling me a pioneer. And I I bought into that. You know, I bought into it that I was a pioneer because I had done what no one had ever done before. I I was a co-author of Podcasting for Dummies. People were calling it, you know, one of their cornerstones. You know, I mean, even, to, you know, you mentioned earlier, Tony Mass said uh, when we did the first episode of Backseat Producers, Podcasting for Dummies was, was within arm's reach if we had any questions, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But then in 2006, I went to, um, I can't remember what it was called then. It was the, it was the, it was the, the expo of many changing names that had to do with podcasting and portable media. And, and yeah, yeah. Um, I I did not go that year, but I remember that year. Yeah. And 2006 was its second year and it was still a pretty good year. Still a pretty good year. Um, but then it was, in, but then you know, in 2006, I show up and people are like, "Whoa, you know, T. Morris, you're one of the pioneers," you know, and 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 I started to to really buy into that. But between 2006 and 2007, and that was about the time you started podcasting about Podtaint, that started to happen. And I remember between 2006 and 2007, there was a massive, massive change that 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 community feel, which. God bless you, man. You've managed to maintain, whether it's on a small or large scale, you've been able to maintain it with Deadpan, with the Deadpan podcast. That started to go away around 2007. Yeah. And 2007 was when a lot of stuff started to happen. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think that's that's when a lot of us were getting attention and a lot of us were believing our own our own hype. Hello. Just letting you know that all of us pixies listen to Jack Mangan's Deadpan. That's right. All of the pixies love Jack Mangan, and Deadpan is the pixie listening way. Yeah, and but I remember that year, that the year that, that when I went in 2007 to this expo of many changing names, I remember very distinctly that the, um, the attitude was going from, in 2006, it was all about podcasting the passion. Podcast what you feel. Podcast, you know, say it. You know, you mm-hmm. know express yourself. You know, make, this, make this art your own. And in 2007, I started hearing words like monetize, uh, 
knowing your target audience, and porn. Porn was big in 2007. Porn was where everybody was headed. And uh, if it wasn't porn, it was Howard Stern wannabes. Yeah, that was, was the year that actually there was a room party that we were on our way there, and the the party got like shut down because like some they did a bondage demonstration in the living room. You know? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And you're right, and it's kind exactly. of like wow, our, our our little world has definitely changed here. You know, <laughs> our little world is going is is, is going through some changes. Our world, is being, a, our world is being tied up and ball gagged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and. But I mean that was the that was the message I was getting was that you know if if it ain't lewd if it ain't crude no one's going to be interested and you know I, and I I make my bones about it 2007 was a rough year at at this expo for me because that was the year that uh, one of these one of these shock jock esque podcasts illegally recorded me and um and tried to pull some shenanigans there now in 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 my own defense, I wound up taking this this rather um, this rather candid conversation that I had no intention of sharing with anybody. I wound up turning it into a money paying gig. Um, I actually bought a brand new mixer because of the money I made off that. So I never really thanked them for that. But you know, hey, Actually, I, um, I, never, I never heard that part of it. I, you know, I remember yeah, the I remember the incident, but I didn't. Yeah, I wrote two articles for a magazine for a podcast magazine um, about what happened. And about the precautions, and I podcasted them, and they played both podcasts. The first one, they did a MST3K treatment of it, and basically called me different names, douche nozzle, douchebag, anything they could tack douche onto. Yeah, I remember. Um, it, was, it was very, very classy. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They kept it classy. Um, <laughs> then they actually got a cease and desist from the, from the magazine because they didn't have permission to the, 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 the material – and again, this was another big change. In 2006, everything was Creative Commons, share it all. 2007, right. people started copywriting their podcasts. Right. And you couldn't you couldn't distribute it without proper distribution or something or other. And they called them on it. So then they again made uh they they, they the, so, so they ran the second one. Well, the thing was, it was the highest numbers this magazine ever got for any of the articles they ever podcast. So they were just making me look good, and I wound up getting paid for those two podcasts, and, and I, I'm like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> cool. Awesome. <laughs> but but there was a change happening by 2007. You know, and I can I, set you up at, at a future con. I don't know it's going to make you money. How about we'll oh. do that at a future con? I'll, I'll kind of <laughs> – You know what? If we can ever if we can ever get the whole, um, the whole Phoenix Comic Con thing taken care of, I, I mean – because I'm because Pip and I are writer guests, that's a hard sell for them to pick up any any of the expenses. But if we ever did do that, yeah, we could we could we could we could do some serious damage that way. Uh, anyway, so, so that was 2007. Then by 2008, um, you looked at you looked at who was in the top ten. You could still find people you know in the, in, in the podcast in the podcast uh, rankings in 2007. By 2008, I didn't know anybody. I did not know a soul. And the people that we knew, the people that we that we that we all supported, the people that we all worked with in podcasting, were marginalized, and we were suddenly the ham radio operators again. Right. And then and then 2008, who were the major players? Oprah Winfrey, HBO, Discovery. Exactly. 
yeah. ESPN. And and Apple went even further and said, happy fifth birthday, when podcasting had been around for six years. Right. And 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 then I went to a convention. I went to a uh, um, I went to Blog World. And um, and I'll, I was, I'll I'll jump in. I think it was 2008 or was it 2007 where you and Pip and I were in Vegas. I think that was 2008. It was the, it was the same one. It was the 2008. The best thing about yeah. you know what the best thing about that Fakakta convention was, it was seeing you, and going to to uh, to Quark's bar and having a warp core breach. Yeah, and that were, was that was it. <laughs> that was epic. That was epic. And uh, and you got you got your copy of you got your T-shirt of Otisburg. Yes, that's right. That's when it was delivered. I still have that T-shirt, by the way. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm very proud of that T-shirt. Um, the the T-shirt that you and I designed together. Um, but um, and you know that conversation was around episode seven-ish of Deadpan. So you know just to to tie in the timeline there. <laughs> so so go on. No, I mean you know yeah. just just had to throw out that that factoid. Very nice, and and so so yeah, so we had um, so we were we were in Vegas in 2008, and um, and it was just uh, it was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. I remember that year. Um, I remember that year that uh, I was I was doing an experts table. Somebody comes up to me, and just looks at me square in the eye, looks at the books in front of me, looks at me in the eye, and it says, "You're who again?" And that was between 2005, when I was a pioneer of podcasting, and 2008, Who Are You Again? And at that time, I had already had two books out. I had a third in the works, and uh, just in social media. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, had, I had two books out, third in the works. And, um, and I remember shortly after that incident, Pip turns to me. It says, do you enjoy going to these things? And I remember looking at her and said, I did once upon a time. And then I started looking at all the cool kids. I started looking at the cool kids who were getting the rankings. The, you know, the, the, the Howard Stern wannabes, the, <clears throat> um, the, the, the porn in, uh, you know, outlets, HBO, ESPN. I was looking at what they were doing. <clears throat> I remember one best-selling Best-selling author in science fiction and fantasy was uh, video podcasting and dominating, dominating the um, the just just the literature uh, section of iTunes. And she uh, she had three episodes over a year, and one of them was about her shoes. Hmm. And I started to get bitter. I mean, bitter, like you know. Just this this was a this was what I you know I, I noticed that the only time whenever I could style my beard I could only do it as a goatee because I was I was evil tea I was the anti tea I was I was the tea from the from the mirror mirror universe right and and I remember I remember uh, the first meltdown I ever had about it I recorded a survival guide to writing fantasy that I never aired I w- it was just so vitriolic. Um, I wasn't sure about releasing it, so I sent it out to a couple of people and said, what do you think? And they all came back to me and they said, are you okay? You can't post that. And <laughs> and they were right, so I didn't. But then the second thing happened, which was Balticon 43 in 2009. And that was when I recorded what was supposed to be the last survival guide to writing fantasy. That was how the weekend started. 
with a show that was so nasty, so crass, and just so not me, I didn't air it. I Again, I trashed the episode. And the difference was the first one I recorded, I recorded with, with in, in a studio by myself. This one, right. room full of people. I mean, it was standing room only. And it was – there were some people that came up to me afterwards, and they said, I'm really glad you didn't air that episode because you were a dick. <laughs> um, I was I pissed off Scott Sigler. That's how that's how angry he was. He didn't speak to me for months after that, and it wasn't until I reached out to him and I started talking to him, and he was like, "Yeah," and he and he told me, and I was just like, "Yeah, I, I know, I know, it's a dick." And um, although his default state is angry, so I mean, you know, yeah, but but there's a difference because it's it's a, it's a shtick, right? I, I know, I know. This I, wasn't, I get yeah, this wasn't shtick. This was I was I was really just a mess. And then the 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 Balticon the Balticon the the bad Balticon as I called it ended with the Kraken's Quest reveal, which backfired uh, really hard for a lot of people. Deadpan is the motherfucking way. PC Herring logging off. And that and, was uh, that was basically just in a nutshell. That was when. Your jersey, your Kraken's jersey vanished for a while and, you know, it kind of became a, a taunting thing for you. And then it was finally given back to you at, at the convention. Just for, a year later. Right. Uh, yeah, a year oh, later. Is that long? I didn't remember that it was a full year, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it had been, it had been swiped. It had been swiped, um, the previous Balticon. And it got returned to me the following Balticon. It was supposed to be returned to me at DragonCon, but the person who had swiped it, uh, from what I was told, basically decided at the last minute, no, let's let's stretch this out. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was not a good choice. It was not a good choice. But that wasn't what backfired. What backfired was my reaction because nobody knew the place I was in. Because while all this is going on, um, my writing career had pretty much stalled. And additionally, I had um, I had been uh, job hunting. And the job hunt had pretty much lasted for, at that point, almost uh, two years. It was two solid years of me searching for a job in social media. And people were telling me I was a pioneer of podcasting. I was a, I was a trailblazer in social media, and I can't, I can't get a job full-time in social media in Washington, D.C. <clears throat> and uh, I was in a real bitter place. And so... 2009, some some uh, you know some things really went wonky in my life, and uh, when things started to level out, uh, I was being uh, you know PC Herring and uh, Pip were Pip Valentine were both visiting me at the time, and so I set up a bunch of mics in my in my in my living room, and I recorded what was the last survival guide to writing fantasy, and I expected to miss it. I expected it to hurt because I'd been doing the survival guide for at that point up to four years. Mm-hmm. And I was so bitter about the cool kids that <clears throat> I just, I didn't care. It was, it was, it was now I did care about the people that were still hanging on and still listening, but I really, I, I didn't care. I didn't care anymore about the show. It wasn't fun anymore. It was a chore. And so I let it go. And, <clears throat> And for two years, I didn't podcast for myself. I went, I went, I went nearly, I went, uh, no, no, not nearly. I went two years without doing a podcast for Team Morris. It was either for, for my job 
or um, someone asked me to do a quick voice on, a, on another podcast. I did that. But I did not do anything for me. And then we started doing Tales in the Archives. Right, okay. And when I started doing Tales in the Archives, um, bringing it back to not just you, but bringing it back to the, 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 the point uh, or the epiphany I had, um, I was mixing together the climactic scene between the two trains in Knights of Plutonian Shore. I was mixing that together. And Pip is sitting next to me, and she's watching me mix, which is not necessarily exciting stuff. But, you know, I'm throwing in – and she's sitting there for like 10 minutes just watching me do this for a, for a like, 20-second se- sequence, you know. Mm-hmm. And everything happens. I stop, and I go, yeah, that's good. And Pip says to me, you love this, don't you? And I suddenly realized, I mean, we were already, we were already putting up episodes of Tales in the Archives and things like that, but I suddenly realized what I, what I lost. Because I'd put so much into that pod team. I put so much into the cool kids, um, taking away the spotlight that I'd once had that I forgot it wasn't about the cool kids. Mm-hmm. I should have been focusing on the best podcaster I could be. I should have focused on the content that I was generating and the, and I should have focused Less on my ratings, less on who else is podcasting, and less on what the the would be the would be Howard Stearns and the and the would be uh, media moguls and the uh, social media you know po- pod taints and douchebags. I should have focused more on me. Am I putting out a good product? Am I doing it on a regular basis? And most of all, am I having a good time? And I suddenly realized this was why Tales in the Archives was my was my, my, my rebirth in podcasting because I was doing something I genuinely loved. I was working with friends. I was bringing in their stories, and I got the chance to take their fiction and, and give it, give it my, my treatment, you know? Mm-hmm. And Pip and I were having fun coming up with the different intros, you know, for the, for the different podcasts. We were, we were having fun, and I hadn't had that for years in podcasting. So I read this article from cos about this cosplayer, and I said, you know, you're on a slippery slope, right? Because when you take when you let the cool kids take control of something you love, you're never, you're never gonna, you're you're gonna walk away from it, and one day you're gonna wake up and go, wow, why did I walk away from that? Right. You know? Yeah, and you know, someday, like ten years from now, maybe your kids or maybe someone will look at the old pictures and say, like, wow, that must have been a lot of fun. And she'll look back and say, well, it should have been, but I guess it wasn't. It sucked, but it, it should have been a lot of fun. Because yeah, look at me in this amazing costume I had on. And what, you know, why why was I so miserable doing this? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like the exact arguments I'm hearing about the popularity of cosplay. I heard, I've heard all this before. I've been, I've been, we we've been at this juncture. And I just want to—I want to grab some of these cosplayers, some of these very talented cosplayers, and go. Would you? Would you lighten up? And just remember why you're doing this. You're not doing this for the attention. You're doing this because you love it. You know? Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. But of course, you know, validation is is a nice thing. You know, I mean, validation course, is a nice thing. I'm, I'm not I'm not lying about that. Absolutely. And right, I mean, if you if you were to show up with your best Batman costume and go like, look how cool I look, and then Christian Bale walks in and you know with the set with his gear from the movie, 
and everyone's like, you know, and suddenly you became invisible. I could see the frustration there. I could see, you know, I can see that. But but still, what your original point is is 100 percent correct. I mean, you have to be in it for the love of doing it. Um, you know, what, something I've always thought about for for all the creative stuff is that it kind of goes back to being being five, six, you know, anywhere being a kid on the floor with your Star Wars action figures. I mean, you, you weren't doing it for an audience. You weren't doing it to compete with the kid up the street. You were doing it and making stories with these action figures and having a having a, the best time ever. And that's really what your adult creativity should be yeah. about podcasting. Because, I mean, another thing is, I mean, I know, you know, that some of us are making some money off of this, but the odds of becoming J.K. Rowling at this are, are seriously, you know, you might as well go out and try to get hit by lightning. I mean, yeah. and yeah. And that's not that's not sour grace. I'm just saying that's you know that that's that's a reality. That's, that's the reality. A reality. Yeah. I mean, J.K. Rowling. No one would have faulted her for giving up after rejection number seventeen for Harry Potter, and you know, and going back to her day job and saying like, okay, no one's interested in this manuscript. You know, good for her for persisting, of course. But sure. But uh, so I guess my point is, I'm agreeing with you 100. percent You got to have fun. and You got to keep that that spirit. I mean. For a cosplayer, I mean, I'm not a cosplayer, so I guess I shouldn't try and project what what they get out of it. But, you know, kids also do the same thing. That doesn't mean that what they're doing is childish, but they should get the same childlike glee out of out of dressing up and looking awesome. And you are I mean, you you are it, it, you may not be a cosplayer, but you are in, in a sense you are in that same you're, you're in that same creative boat, you know. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're writing, you know, and I'm writing. So it's, it, and, and I see what some people gravitate to and I see what's, what other people gravitate to. And I'm like, well, why hasn't anyone paid any, you know, closer attention to what, you know, Pip and I are doing. But then, but then I, I, I take a breath and I go, you know what? Uh, these are, these are first world problems. You know, these are, uh, you know, um, and, and I tell you something else too, losing a job unexpectedly kind of does put things in perspective um you know right. have, have pip and i uh have, have pip and i been um have pip and i been uh you know able to rest on our laurels and and uh you know brag about being new york times bestsellers no has has uh the ministry of peculiar occurrences kept a roof over our heads during my job hunt the answer is yes we're not living high on the hog, but we we have a roof over our heads. We and we have power. <laughs> we, you know, we, we we've got we've got we've got groceries. We've got food on the table because of Wellington Books and Eliza Braun. So, you know, it's all it's a it's a, it's perspective. It's about perspective. And yeah, I can understand some of that frustration. But um, it's amazing that we're here right now. You and I are still here doing this. Right. And, um, and I, I, uh, I, I, I just, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about it because of that, because of this, this blog post I wrote because of the, you know, and I, and I'm, <clears throat> I kind of wish that I, I'd, I'd been made of stronger stuff and had, uh, not paid such close attention to the pod tape. This is Jack Hosley, also known as the Wonder Wolf, and you're listening to Jack Mangan's Deadpan. Deadpan is the motherfucking way. But I did, I did want to let you know, uh, let you in on something. When you, when you get your your copy of Ministry Protocol, um, you're gonna notice I tweaked your, I, I tweaked your your bio just a little bit, and I referred to you as the Iron Man of podcasting. <laughs> 
because of because of this incredible thing that you've done with Deadpan, that you've managed to not only keep it going for this long, but also that um, also that you, you're there are there are drop-ins you use that I still know I know where that comes from, <laughs> and and the fact that you have been able to remix them so many times that they still sound original. I mean, I did not realize that you could do so much with Evo Terra saying, "Why sure climb into my spoon?" <laughs> that's I, that's that's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, thanks, and you know, and actually, um, we'll talk. Let's keep the focus on on T. Morris and, and Pitt Valentine. But, you know, I thought Deadpan has never never received anything, but at the same time, I wouldn't change a thing about Deadpan. I wouldn't say, "Well, I've got a." This is the year I'm going to do whatever it takes to get a parsec. Like, no, I'd rather have, you know, I'd rather have the deadpan meetups that we have. I'd rather have, you know, I look back on the deadpan content over the years, and yeah, I'm really proud. I mean, yes, there were weeks that were phoned in. There were weeks that it was like, all right, I got to slap something together. But <laughs> yeah. you know, but there were still there's a lot of content over the over that time that I'm proud of, and a lot of great relationships forged. And you know, I'm I don't have, you know, I don't feel. I mean, maybe. Maybe that's just um, I don't know. I guess I, I don't know if that sounds shallow, but I don't I don't feel like we're any worse for the wear because we don't have a parsec or or anything else. I, I still feel like the legacy is is as good. You know, I'm, I'm I wouldn't be any more proud of the legacy if there was some kind of an award on the shelf. Also, I mean, I, I'm I think it's been it's been a great run, and you know, just little things. I mean, people still say from Deadpan number what it was probably about 120 when you and I just made an offhand joke about Adrian's med, and that still comes up. I mean, it still <laughs> comes up. Oh, 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 man, I forgot. It's mad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. Because the, 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 the thing that I always talk about on other podcasts from, from Deadpan is actually the, uh, the throwdown you and I had over Alan Moore. Yeah, and and I was talking about and you you it was it was the one time I I almost thought you were going to break deadpan because because there was we were talking about the iconic the the uh, the, the the change in Watchmen and um, from the and, you mean the film you mean, from, from the film from the right. film from the, from the book to the film and and I remember saying yeah but Jack from my perspective I remember reading Watchmen and and not getting the alien I had to flip back and figure out oh. You mean that little thread is this massive image, you know, this as you said, and it is. It's an iconic image from Watchmen. And I went, but Jack, look at this. Even in the comic book, they're talking about how powerful Dr. Manhattan is. In the movie, they said, screw the iconic image. Let's go with what the original text said, and let's talk about Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And when I, made, when I made my argument, there was this long pause, and you went, yeah, that actually does make sense. But T, it's an iconic image. You can't take away from that. And I was like, ah! <laughs> but what a great conversation. What a great, honest geek out of us talking about um, talking about Alan Moore. And But I completely forgot about this man. <laughs> oh, what's that poor son of a bitch doing now, I wonder? <laughs> I don't know. It's got to be awesome, whatever he's doing now. I mean, it's, it's got it, – oh, it has to be. It has to be dancing. Dance feverific. It has to be. And his hair must look great. Right at oh, this moment, his hair perfect. looks fantastic. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't remember a lot of 
tw- and this is going to sound obsessive. So I don't I don't remember a lot of tweets, but I do remember you tweeting about that. I remember you tweeted about that episode, and you said, "Wow, I, I really sound like a geek." You're talking about us us talking about Alan Moore. You said, "Listen to me, listen to me talk to Jack Mangan about Alan Moore," and damn, I'm a geek. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, all, all I was missing, all I was missing from that uh, from, from from that podcast, I remember was saying, but you see, in a killing joke, the Joker was all about. He was about the joke, Joker shit, you know. But you know, I was, but it was implied. It was it was heavily implied. If you if you ever put that, if you ever put subtitles on that, uh, on, or, or transcribed that that podcast, you would have you would you would have like throughout. Yeah, how do you spell that? Hold on, let me, <laughs> let me, type, let me type that out. Get that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a t- 25 C's, 25 yeah, THs in a row. Yeah, and, and THs, and, and, and you got to get your – you got to spit a little bit on the paper, you know, that kind of thing. All right. I'll get to work on that. Okay. Uh, yeah, but, you know, like you, as we've been saying, it's been um, – I think for both of us, I mean, since since we started, I mean, inside and outside of podcasting, it truly has been the best of times and the worst of times, I think. Yes. It's yeah. been an incredible journey. Um um, but so, so where I mean, obviously, you know, the ministry has been, as you said, it's been a success, and it's you know, it's amazing. You know, I walk into Barnes and Noble, and and you know, Pip basically has her own shelf. Yeah, uh, no kidding, no I mean, kidding. And the, um, that's fantastic, you know. But and it, so this is, you guys are in a great place. But that's, so what, where what where to now? I mean, what's what's ahead for T Morris? And well, I mean, T Morris and Pip Valentine, but also what's ahead for T Morris? Well, I, ironically, I'm I'm actually going back to even more geek geekerific stuff. Uh, I don't know if you you uh, caught any any of the, the things I was talking about, but um, uh, over the summer, I got a ping from my agent of awesome, uh, Lori McLean, over at uh, Forward Literary, and um, she she said, "Hey T, how quickly can you write uh, fifty thousand words?" And I said. Uh, I can, uh, it, you know, depending on depending on the content, what is it? And she tells me that Kindle Worlds, this new program that that uh, that the Kindle has, that the, that Amazon's launched, where they where they basically sanction, and it's weird because they're sanctioning fan fan fiction, but it's not necessarily fanfic. Okay, what it is, and this is, I found this out was that apparently they uh, licensed Amazon licensed all this all these different uh, properties, and. Uh, People can submit works for said properties, submit them to uh, Kindle, and then uh, you know Kindle if they like it they'll commission it. And when but when they commission it, it runs by a um, it runs by a, a review board that has some sort of connection with this um, with the, with the source material. And she said, "Well, T, I I know you're a geek, and I know you're into comics. I kind of I kind of blew it out of proportion because yeah." I like comics, but I haven't really been into comics lately. Right. And she said, "What do you know about Valiant Comics?" And I said, "Well, if you give me if you give me 24 hours, I will find out as much as I can." And she said, "Great, because Valiant Comics would like to see from you two tie-ins of of two of their properties. One is um, one is called Harbinger, the other one is called Exo Manowar." And I said, "Okay, well then." What, how do I bone up on this? And she said, well, why don't you go on ahead? I'm, you need to not only bone up on Harbinger, bone up on this other series that Valiant Comics does called Bloodshot. I said, okay. So I spent literally a weekend just downloading all these comics and using Comixology to go through all this. 
And by the end of it, I said, I'm in, but instead of writing for Exo Manowar, I'd like to write for Bloodshot. And right now I'm waiting on the final edits, approvals, and then on Kindle Worlds, I'm going to have two novellas that have been licensed by Valiant Comics. Um, I, I basically had to look at all of the, the canon they'd had up to this point and say, what do you want to write about? Mm-hmm. And I picked basically two separate moments, and I wrote, I guess you could call it fan fiction, but I basically took this like this one panel, literally one panel, and I expanded the story behind that one panel. And I did the same thing for Bloodshot. And that was pretty fascinating. It was, uh, it was, it was, I mean, that's all I did in July, was just write for these two properties. Um, that's going to be coming out under my name, and that should be coming out hopefully later this month. <laughs> Me, Grimlock, listen to Jack Mangan, deadpan, when me not fighting Decepticons. Me, Grimlock, a Tyrannosaurus, Rexens. Me not dumb. Me Automobot. Me, Grimlock, love dead. I mean, ultimately, I would love it if I got a knock on my door from Valiant Comics and they said, we really like the stuff you wrote. Would you be interested in writing, in, in writing one of our issues? Um, that's, that's almost, I mean, I rank up writing, writing for comics right up there with, you know, voicing, voicing a cartoon character. I mean, that would be, that, that would be awesome. Uh, and as far as the ministry goes, uh, as you know, we've got the anthology coming out. Right. And, and the RPG, of course. And the RPG. Um, the RPG I'm really thrilled about. And I'm hoping that we can, uh, if we ever get out west with the RPG, <clears throat> that we could uh, host just this full-out game uh, of uh, the ministry initiative and just, and just give, give it a go. Um, I'm really, really proud of what we accomplished with the Kickstarter, but... Even more than that, um, <clears throat> I learned a lot about <clears throat> I learned a lot about self-publishing when uh, Pip and I put together the Ministry Protocol, uh, which is the anthology that you're in, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> and I um, I uh, I can honestly say I've laid out a lot of books for Dragon Moon Press and for other clients, but this is going to be the prettiest, tightest book I have ever put out. In print, uh, the inter- I'm very very proud of the interior. I I don't think I've ever really said that about any of the books that I've out that I've laid out before, but particularly for the Ministry Protocol, I am I am just really proud of the way this thing looks. It's going to be just a beautiful looking book, Excellent. and then you're going to get and then you're going to get into the stories. And uh, I found it ironic because in one week we got two stories set in Japan. Oh, sorry, let me let me rephrase that. We got two stories with Japanese themes. Uh, Lauren Harris, who's making her debut with us, um, she submitted a story for Tales from the Archives Volume 2, and Pip and I liked it so much, we said, we want this with the anthology, not knowing that you were also going to write The Clockwork Samurai. <laughs> and so we were just like, this is awesome, because we've got... Oh, and I, and I do have, to, I do have to, to tell you real quick, I completely missed the Otisburg reference until I was <laughs> laying out the book, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute, and I was like, "Oh, damn it, Jack Mangan, you got me once again." <laughs> but um, well, I was taking I was taking some liberties with uh, with 
with the place. So I said, all right, well, let me make up the place so that no one nails me and says, well, wait a minute, I've been to that t- that town that you said. And it's right. Like, so I said, all right, let's just make up the, the town of Vancouver. All right. Sorry. Right. So that's all. It is it is the stuff of legend. Um but yeah, the uh um the, the all the story I mean, really, if you were to say you know, be honest, how 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 do the story stories rank and the, you know, they say, Okay, you wanna open with a heavy hitter, you wanna have some, some stuff here, have another big heavy hitter in the middle, and then end on a high note. And yet when we Pip and I were struggling, we were struggling with the the flow of the book with the order of these stories because every one of them were was, was just wonderful and we've got that coming out the digital versions of of the book should be coming out very soon and then we've got the print which should be coming out late September early October um, we're real happy with, with 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 the protocol we just we just the, the the ministry protocol just turned out way better than we expected and that we could have we could have hoped oh, that's um, great that's great yeah. news. Um, and, well, thanks, and you know, thanks again for for the invite. I, you know, it was it was an honor and a pleasure. And but so, you heard, but you've all, but you've known that now you got now you got two now you've got two uh, two um, steampunk credits under your belt, right. and and remember that. And also the thing is, this is my this is always going to be my 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 bird to pick with you. I know it's hard for you to make the time, but I I would like to see you make more time to 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 write. Because yeah. I think because because of all the stuff you ever podcast, I remember I remember very vividly when I heard Fractura on uh, on Deadpan, and I remember reaching out to Tim Reynolds, and uh, and I said I said Tim I know you're waiting on a story from me, I'm going to give up my spot. You've got to get Jack Mangan's Fractura on there. You've got to get that in there. And uh, I was very pleased that Tim said, Tim said, uh, is, you know, what's the status of it? I'm like, it's probably ready to go. But just contact Jack today. Get that story in, in, in Pothology. Yeah, I appreciate that, too. I, I'm definitely I, I just, to you for that, too. Still, still I, I would argue, as much as I love Knights Plutonian Shore, Fractura is, is, is my favorite. It's my favorite of all the stuff you've ever written. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, I, I you know, I don't know. I, I I don't want to talk about me, but I appreciate that. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> very pleased. You know, I mean, I'm very pleased with both. I don't look at those as my stepping stone stories. Like, like, oh yeah, I wrote that as when I was trying, when I was developing. I look at those as like, yeah, that's some of my better stuff. So I appreciate, again, I appreciate the call out. And I, you know, again, steampunk was difficult. I had Nice Plutonian Show was the first time I'd ever written steampunk. And I, I guess I want to get your take on this. I don't want to just talk about me, but I mean, for me, no, 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 that's the, that's cool. The first. The first venture into it, I mean, there were times where I was beating my head against the wall with with nice plutonium shore. I was like, how am I going to make this thing work? And I, I, you know, I am proud of the result. But I mean, did you find when you started out in steampunk, did you find that it was it was just seamless, or did you find like that you were still that you were really wrestling with the elements and and with uh, with with pieces of it? My biggest stress about about ministry was that that it wasn't uh, that it wasn't heavy enough, you know. Um, when you read the difference engine, when you read, uh, you know, um, some of the, some of, some of the other, uh, um, uh, the diamond age, when you read a lot of the literature that's out there, it's pretty heavy. 
Like China Mieville, um, that's that's really really. Well, well yeah, China Mieville. You know, you might as well you know, put a spike into your head, and, and then it might start making sense. And I don't mean that as a, as a slide against China Mieville. I mean a spike <laughs> in the head is probably light compared to China Mieville. But um, that happens uh, in Chapter Three of Purdue Street Station too. Adrian Zemed, as a matter of fact, yeah, doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, the um, so you've got you, and and here here here, Pip and I are doing. This very light steampunk, and um, <clears throat> and my 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 biggest uh, my, I think the two things that I struggled with the the, the, the hardest with uh, with writing it was first making sure that the technology was not tacked on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the friends that we that we made in the steampunk community, uh, this guy named Jeff Lee, he's the guy that did this really lovely parody song called "Just Little Gears on It" and call it steampunk. And that was his that was his statement against the people on Etsy who were basically doing that. They were grabbing, you know, old computer keyboards, going to Michaels, hot gluing gears all over them and then selling them as uh, as as steampunk keyboards. And and literally people were doing that and people still do that. Um, But but that's what I was worried about, because there were a couple of there were a couple of books that I that I I I wrote. Uh, con- uh, that I read that were that were in steampunk, where the, the the steampunk did feel very tacked on, where the technology was just kind of and to me, the technology is very important in steampunk, and I wanted to make sure that it, that it integrated, that it was that it was it, that it made sense to be there. And the other thing I was I was concerned about was like I said, it was very light, it was very fun. Granted, it, it does take a dark turn near the end, but to me, that's that's also a sign of really good comedy. You know, you can have some really you can have some really fun comedy, like um, like even something like Clue, um, like the movie Clue, which is which is a, a brilliant example of far, farcical comedy. But even parts of Clue are, are diabolical and just just plain sinister. And or the Holy Grail, you know, the Life of Gra- uh, Life of Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah Life is. of Brian. I mean, that whole that whole thing. You know, I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, that type of stuff. Is, and and I, what I was worried about was that that these uh, that, that that these stories that we were telling were not going to catch on, particularly with the steampunk community, because it was so light and fluffy and and in some points absolutely just downright goofy. But um, people got it. it. It was a bit like with uh, with with my Billy Batting stories. People were getting the joke. Mm-hmm. They they were like, you know what, this is going to be a good time. Let's just have a good time. It's adventure, you know. That's how I. I so when yeah. I talk to people about the ministry, I tell them like it's it's a fun adventure story, you know. It's adventure. It's uh, you know Sherlock Holmes at his most fun. Yeah, you know? I mean it's, it's it's also I mean it's uh it's um it's a bit like it's also a bit like um it's it's uh, it's like Pacific Rim, which for me was the the best movie I saw all summer. It's actually. It's actually nothing at all like Pacific Rim Team. No, it's not, well. Yes, we did, we did have giant robots in the first one. Yeah, they, I, were, they were not fighting. They were not fighting kaiju from an alternate dimension. But you know what? I ate up Pacific Rim. I thought Pacific Rim was an absolute hoot. It was everything I wanted it to be. It was adventurous. It was fun. It didn't take itself seriously at all. And you had Idris Elba basically being a badass. And I was like, what more did you want? Well, like and I said to you, though, I mean, it was just no robot jocks. It was not robot jocks. I will give you that, <laughs> and 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 I think we're all the better for it. Okay. Yes. Um, there I, you it, go. When you when you dropped that reference, 
I was astounded because I'm like, I thought I was the only kid that saw Robot Jocks. I was the, I was the only kid. Because when I saw it, I thought, huh, it's Robot Jocks with a budget. But it was actually quite, quite good. Except it was good, right? <laughs> yeah, except it was good. Touche, Mr. Mr. Mangan, touche. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, had, I had the same opinion. I and mean, I've seen the grousing about Pacific Rim, but I just thought it was a great, fun time that didn't take itself too, too seriously. You ready? Ready. Jack Mangan. Mangan. Deadpan. Deadpan. Podcast. Podcast. And it was just, it was just a, it was, uh, I mean, and 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 the funny thing is now the boom, uh, really wants to see it. She really wants to see it. So, um, so we're impatiently waiting for when the Blu-ray arrives and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, as far as the difficulty of writing steampunk, I think that was the thing that that scared me the most was. Would people get the sense of fun that that Pip and I were going for, and um, and that was uh, yeah I mean that, I think that was the biggest the, the second biggest challenge though and I but I think this this of any time you write a sequel, people want in a sequel more of the cool stuff that we had from the first one, but they also want it to be entirely different. And um, while Hollywood tends to say, okay, you know what, we've got a sequel coming up, so we're going to do more of the cool stuff, but we're going to do more of it with, you know, we're, we're going to triple the amount of villains in, in, in the next Batman movie, and we're going to do this, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make more, more explosions. And, and I'm like, well, no, don't, don't, don't just phone it in. You know, make, have it make sense. Right. And I think that was my biggest hang-up with The Dark Knight Rises. I liked The Dark Knight Rises. I wanted to love it. Because I loved The Dark Knight so much, mm-hmm. you know? And I'd say that with your sequel, I'd say, you know, you, you really get to know these characters better. And, and in a book series, I think that's a very important thing. You get to learn their histories more. You get to learn their personalities more. And I think that we could, we really, really got to know these characters much. Really, you know, and the, in the sequel, we really, really got to know Eliza and, and Wellington a lot better. And plus also the, the supporting cast. You know, we really got to know these people. And that's... That's that's huge in a sequel, I think. And then now we're working on the the third one. We're working on Dawn's Early Light. That should be coming out in March of 2014. And with that one, it was um it was it was a lot of the same. It was it was a lot of it, it was interesting watching the evolution of, of of the books. First book was very much a romp, big time adventure. Second one was more of a mystery, and we we dug that. You know, it was more of a mystery. Uh, this one is is sort of that is almost a, the the epic across the country kind of uh, k- kind of trek, you know, the adventure a la Indiana Jones or even James Bond, you know. So we're back with that big sprawling adventure that goes across uh, across the United States. Well, now we're working while, while we're waiting on the edits for book three. We've got book four in the works. Book four is very is it's, it's starting to read almost like the Born Identity. Um, it's very shadowy. Uh, we're pulling in a lot of stuff for uh, from from spycraft, you know, from from actual, you know, um, intelligence gathering techniques, and we're implementing them in um, in in uh, in the fourth book, and we're really proud of of, of the direction that it's that it's headed. Um, <clears throat> and there's going to be some there's going there's yeah there's going to be some uh, some more big reveals and um, and then we. We, we're even. We've, we've got some ideas percolating for book five, but we have to get through book three and book four first. Um, you know, book four is going to be the one where 
if we resolve everything and Ace Rock Books are happy with us, they'll say, well, we want some more. <laughs> you yeah. always want the publisher to say, we want some more. Um, well, you answered, you know, the question I had loaded was, you know, was is this going to just round out at a trilogy or are you going to continue going? And I think that's that's the answer. So that's, yeah. that's cool. I know we don't I, – I can honestly say we, we want to do – at the very least, we want to do five books. At the very least, five books. And and we're good with Welly and Eliza. Um, and I don't know why five is a magic number with us. Uh, I mean, let's see. We have, we, we, I mean, Pip just wrapped up the Books of the Order, and that was Geist, Spectre, Wraith, Harbinger. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, that's that's four books right there. And I don't even think she expected to go four books. I remember she expected to go uh, three. She no, she said I was contracted for two. I would have liked to go for three, and she said she got four. And um, you know, the fourth book was her was her swan song to these characters. And even even her our editor at at Ace Danielle was like, I was real sad to see these characters go. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean she may she may still return to the books of the order universe. Right. And I think that's something that Pip and I have discovered with the ministry is that this this universe just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. We have <clears throat> we have all these stories that people have written for us. Um, mm-hmm. We have all this canon that we still haven't played with, and um, you know we uh, we we've been, and oh that's the other thing too. Uh, you know you talk about flushing out something. Um, I can also say in book three we flush out an idea. Um, the idea that you gave us, the, the, the agents of awesome, the office of supernatural <laughs> and metaphysical. I mean, Pip and I just latched onto that and, <clears throat> and we've got, um, we've got some terrific, uh, you know, we, we feature awesome agents, mm-hmm. uh, and we even have, um, and we picture Idris Elba playing the character and shocker that, um, nice. but we, uh, we picture Idris Elba being in charge of, of awesome and, he basically said no. He said nobody else wanted the job. Nice. Which is why we have this 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 black gentleman in charge of a super secret organization because nobody else wanted the job. Right. In late but, late eighteen hundreds, of course, that would be yeah, that would have been quite a quite a coup. But that's right. But you know, you can certainly make it work. I'm not. You might even have people saying like, oh, that would never happen. Well, you know. No, go, actually. Go with it. And and this is the beautiful thing about being a writer and and doing the homework and especially working in steampunk. So many times I thought. There's no way we're going to get any kind of backing on this, you know, historical rise. And yet, the uh, the the president uh, in in the White House that year was very much uh, pro um, pro African American integration. He wanted people in the government. He wanted people of color in the government. And uh, and I'm like, oh, well, there you go. Perfect. And yeah. and so so and and you know that's a beautiful moment for a writer when you go, really. And then you move on. <clears throat> so, um, you know, the challenges for the, the challenges in in, uh, in, uh, in in the ministry really is uh, just making sure that people are happy with what we're what we're putting out and that they're still reading. And we, we we've been real we've been real pleased with with it, but we've also just been <clears throat> extremely humbled by just how big the universe has has, has become. Um, we have we have had nearly 40 short story. Uh, actually, uh, I take that back. We've had we've had well over 35 uh, short stories written in in this universe, and then we've got the we've got the role playing game coming, and that's gonna that's gonna inspire more people to do more stuff in this universe. Mm-hmm. And while we can't 
while we can't peek in on like what if someone started doing an online RPG of it, I would love to see photographs or videos of people, you know, doing do, doing the doing the game, you know, or, or just saying. So here's something that here are a couple things that happened, you know, during this uh, dur- during this gaming session. Well, you know, we have lots of gamers out there listening, so there yes. you go. There, yeah, you, there you go. There's a request from from the creator from the creator of, of the universe that you're playing in when you, you know, when you get the game, when you get the RPG. Yeah. So, well, you know, I'm, I think we've hit about an hour, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to say, well, first of all, I'm going to say thanks, you know, for all the years of fun. And, you know, we definitely got to keep it up. We definitely have to, uh, I know you're, you know, you're a big time writer now, but you know, we still have to keep in touch. We have to keep the phone calls going. <sighs> even God, I just, I just want to punch you in the nuts when you say that. You realize <laughs> that, right? <laughs> because remember, since we're, since we were tripping down memory lane, if you were because I was kind of I was kind of waiting I was kind of keeping it in my back pocket. If you know, <laughs> looking back on the years that we've been podcasting, what what do you think was was one of your outstanding moments? Uh, you know, deadpan or de- deadpan related or not? And I was going to say the night that we recorded a wing in it, it was you, me, Mike, Evo, uh, God rest his soul, Joe Murphy. Um, and um uh Sheila mm-hmm. and uh Karen from California had sent us that incredibly obscene <laughs> tall bottle of oaked arrogant bastard ale right and we proceeded to just <laughs> descend into the mouth of hell <laughs> and i just remember the one, i remember very little from that evening but the one <laughs> thing i remember was was I think I was stroking your ta- chest, and you just went up, you just leaned into the microphone, went in that deadpan voice. He's touching me. He's touching me. He's touching me. <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> I remember that moment. Yes, I remember the photo. I mean, of course, it's immortalized on Flickr. Yeah, we have a photo of you and me, and you are still deadpan even in the photo. And you just look at me, and I got the rosy nose and the and the puffy cheeks, and it's like, yeah, tease several. T is several sheets of the wind in this picture, but that is my favorite shot of the two of us. Yeah. Oh man, I I, I still have that wing in it somewhere. I, I have it. I still have it. And it's um oh man, that was that was I, I think that was that if you were to say that's yeah, for me that was a golden moment. That was one of those moments that I'm like I'm like that was a a very very twisted evening, and it was a twisted <laughs> evening of incredible awesome. And if I remember correctly, even before winging it, when before winging it uh, shut their doors, um, they said that was their most downloaded episode. <laughs> no kidding! Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know that's the thing. We've got you know between the two of us, uh, and again, you're not done with podcasting, and I'm, I'm not done with podcasting. Even deadpan will. You know, it's gonna kind of be like after mash. You know, it'll be oh, like <laughs> only, but but good, right? It'll well, be it'll be after mash, but good. No, it, it won't be anything like after mash. Actually, it'll be you know, there'll be there'll be the occasional appearance where I'll, I'll either come up with a piece of music or even something that I want to podcast. So that's why I tell everyone keep the feed, keep your subscription, you know, keep keep your podcatcher tuned to Deadpan because there will be future content. But yeah, anyway. In a roundabout way, I'm just saying there's been a lot of laughs over the years, a lot of great times, a lot of great memories, and a lot of a lot of triumphs. You know, so I think, you know, like you said, and, and as long as you're you're still having fun, as long and then, 
and just you know do it until it's not fun anymore. You know, that's that's um to to take a page from Evo that Tony likes to quote. You know, that Tony Mass likes to quote. But I I, I wouldn't say that deadpan is not fun anymore. But I think it's time for it's time for a change. It's time to, for you know to emerge from the chrysalis and and you know see what the next st- stage is like. And I think that's where that's where 288 is going to take us. But you know, it sounds like you know and you know you've kind of done that with the ministry and that you guys are you know headed into the future and you have you have a plan and you and you have a direction and that's that's great I and mean, i couldn't be happier for you know for the three of you and you know the whole little community or not little but the whole giant community and world you've got around you and now it's just a matter of just making sure that uh that we we get there and then of course i mean I, and i think that's the that's the, probably the biggest challenge i think the writers I, th- I think writers just in general um, never really think about this, um, <clears throat> and I, maybe it's something that, that I picked up when I was um, when I was uh, when I was an actor. But the the, the thing about being be, being successful just in the arts in general isn't what what have you done or what's your claim to fame. It's more about well, what are you working on next? And um, and I know that with uh, with particularly with uh, with writers, I, you know, once upon a time they didn't have to worry about that. You know, they basically they had their hit, and they go, okay, well now I can just write what I want to write, and that was mm-hmm. the end of it. I mean, and you know, you you begin to think, well, why is Stephen King, a guy like Stephen King, why is he cranking out suddenly all these books, all these you know books in sci-fi, and he's doing uh, he's doing the Dark Tower. You know, he doesn't have to write. Well, yes, he does if he wants to remain relevant. You know, he want, if, he, if he wants to remain Stephen King, then he's got to keep writing stuff like Under the Dome. He's got to, mm-hmm. he's got to keep writing stuff like I mean, it's taken him, what, 20 years, 20, 30 years, and now he is finally doing a sequel to The Shining? Right. And it, it's, you know, yeah, he wants to do that because he wants to remain relevant. Um, and I, I and I think that's where that's that that's a, that's a big change that writers have never really had to think about. But it's the same thing in any creative de- endeavor, whether you're a writer, whether you're an actor, whether you're a painter, it's it's what you have coming next. And <clears throat> and I know that once Pip and I uh, have uh, have have reached, you know, have, have reached the next goal, which I believe right now the next the next immediate goal is the release of Ministry Protocol. And once that gets out, we're gonna go. We're gonna take a breath. And we're gonna go. Okay, what's next? And um, if if we can keep saying, if we, if we if we can continue to have something in that hopper, then I think we're gonna be good. <clears throat> and um, and yeah, with but but you know, it's it's also nice, particularly with this with this podcast, just being able to look back and go, we've come a long way. And um, just the fact that you've been keeping the the deadpan going. For close on eight years, that's a that's a triumph, bro. That's a triumph, and I think I think now the only podcast that has still been podcasting that will probably podcast long, as as long, if not longer, than Deadpan will probably be Technorama. And Chuck and Chuck and Craig seem to have no sign of slowing down, and I, I admire. I admire their tenacity. Good guys, good guys, Chuck and Craig. Good guys. Yeah, definitely. And you know, there's there are podcasts out there, and it was never a competition anyway. I think backseat no. producers will go will go you know into infinity, and and that's and that's a good thing. And, and same with Technorama. I mean, these are it's a good thing you know that all these guys are, are maintaining, and yeah, more power to them. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, well, thanks. I, for, th- and you know, again, yeah. you know, thank you, Jack. Thank you for because I I um. 
now that I'm now that I've got got uh, now that I'm employed and I uh, um, and have a um, and I have a uh, um, a commute now a lengthy commute. <laughs> Uh, it actually gives me a chance to start getting caught up on some podcasts, and I just I'm 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 really really appreciative that you were able to make some 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 room for me on the finale of uh, of, of Deadpan. This has been I, I still remember I still have my archived my archived uh, DVDs of past episodes, and I'm I I'm very very proud to have said, yep, I've been there since episode one. I'll be there when it ends. Yeah, and it, like I guess I said this to you in, in the emails, you know, leading up to this episode. It, would, it wouldn't feel right to end Deadpan without one last check-in with you. So I, thank you so much for being on. T. Morris, everyone, thank you. Thank you.